Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. <sighs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, the big snooze. What is sleep? Why do we need it? And how can anybody possibly sleep when we could be listening to any one of the 144 episodes of this very podcast? Like that one where Captain Crinkle describes how she put the ringtone on iTunes and... <laughs> Sorry, I just nodded off. Anyway, Dr. Christina McRae of the University of Missouri Sleep Research Lab is here to school us in all things slumberific. Also, here's something that could keep you up at night. We've got a brand new contest for you. And also, also, it's time for Mailbag Insider Edition. You're curious about us, and we have absolutely nothing to hide except the identity of a certain celebrity shower partner. I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to expertly guide this dreamy show through the REM cycle all the way to deeper and more restorative phases until the metaphorical cock crows. And now, please welcome the woman who is the conversational equivalent of an unmanageable cat who spends the entire night knocking random shit off your dresser and shelves. It's Paula Poundstone. Hey, you guys. How are you? Good, Good to hear your little voices. Welcome, uh, hey, Adam, Stone. and thanks to tonight's house band cellist Adam Fisher. Adam Fisher, that is, will be performing his original animal songs live at the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens on Sunday, April 25th at 1 p.m. That's 1 p.m. Brooklyn time. Yes, which is the same as all New York time. Yeah. All right. Just, now, what's new with you, Just wanted to be clear. <laughs> yeah, no, you no, know, no. You were very specific. It's been a crazy week. I have friends who run a um, food bank, and I had told them that I would compost their um, waste because the, there's a lot of um, fruits and vegetables that go bad somewhere in the process, and so they don't get given out. And uh, I was trying to do it like little bits at a time in the beginning, but this uh -huh. last weekend, uh, through a miscommunication, I ended up with 
40 <laughs> gallons of fruits and rotten fruits and vegetables. And I, I had to bring it home in trash bags in my car. And my friend Kathy dragged one of the bags across the parking lot and made holes in the bag accidentally. And so it was all in my car. But I got it home and I, I said to myself, okay, because I had somebody help me get into the car. But I'm like, well, it's too heavy for me to take out all by myself. So I will do little bits at a time. And I had this idea. You know, Adam, how we have those sharp knives that we got from a sponsor? I love that sponsor. And I love those knives. Those are the Mizen knives. Yeah, it's a great knife. Uh, so my idea was I would bring bucketfuls of the rotten vegetables and fruits into the kitchen, chop it with the knife, put it in the blender, and pour it into the compost because otherwise it was going to be too much compost. <laughs> it, would be, it would overwhelm the pile. So I started doing this. And the, the main section that I was working on was rotten broccoli and cabbage. And oh, so I was doing, oh, and the Paula. knife was, the knife was amazing. So I chopped, 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 and then yeah. I put it in the blender. And then, I mean, this was hours and hours and hours and trip after trip to the car and more stuff in the blender <laughs> and more pouring it into the mulch pile. And it is... It was in my hair. It was all over my clothes. It kind of, my red sweater still smells. A couple times I put it too high in the blender and it made oh. it like come out. So it was all over the cabinets. It was all over the floor. It was, um, and it was mostly, as I said, rotten broccoli and cabbage. Um, so <laughs> if anyone wants the recipe, I can... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was an amazing ordeal, and uh, oh, I Paula, I didn't get Paula, through all Paula. of it. I ended up putting the rest of it, which is why I know it was forty gallons, because I put the rest of it in these trash bins until I could later uh, compost it. And let me tell you, whew, that's a powerful smell. So was, God damn I'm good. it, Paula! That's, 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 that's yeah, the, yeah. I guess you're good. <laughs> That's um, the gist of the story. Yeah. I, actually, you know, the irony, too, is, of course, I'm pouring this into my compost heap. And the thing about compost is that um, it really doesn't smell generally because you cover it over with the dirt within the compost heap. And, and it's a process. And so it doesn't smell. But this did. And uh, it's right <laughs> near my neighbor's house. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Adam. Adam. Yes. What? Answer, answer the phone. Really? I'm just trying to get the the show started, Paula. Adam, answer the phone. Answer the phone. I don't want to answer the. F All right. All right. All right. Hello. Hello, Adam. <laughs> Hi, Winnie. Adam, I understand that we can't hang out after the game yet, even though I did win the hundredth caller contest because of the pandemic. So I just want to ask everyone to please wear the masks, do their visits outside as much as possible, and keep your distance because I can't wait to hang out after the game with Adam. That's, yeah, that's that's very good advice, Winnie. Thank you, Adam. Winnie, <laughs> Winnie, Winnie, are you crying? No, I just miss you so much, Adam. I've been reading Moby Dick just so I can feel closer to you. 
Well, I don't know why you'd miss me, Winnie. We haven't ever spent time together ever before, like ever. Adam, we're having an affair. We're not having an affair, <laughs> Winnie. Get your mind out of the gutter, Adam. It's the strange mixed affair we call life. It's from Moby Dick. Didn't you read your chapters? Is is Tony Anita Hall tutoring you? Uh, uh, <laughs> Winnie, I, I just worry that your connection to me isn't healthy. That demon phantom sometimes or other swims before all human hearts, Adam. Listen, I have to go. I'm doing my reading. You should be censured. Bye, Adam. <laughs> Winnie? Did, did she hang up on me? No, she said goodbye. I heard her. Um... All right. Well, then, let's let's move forward, Paula. This is exciting. Before we get to I the think movie, that, thing- did that demon phantom sometime or other swims before all human hearts. She's really reading the book. She's absolutely reading the book. I think that's from this week's chapters, in fact. Um, but before we get to this, Paula, I have exciting news that I've been wanting to get to. Uh, today, we are pleased to announce a brand new contest. Our nobodies can compete for the amazing prize of a Zoom party with Paula and me and up to 50 of your closest friends. Now, that this is pretty exciting because, Paula, we did this once before. We did. And we had a great time at that party. It was, you know, especially now when a big party isn't something that we can really do. It, it was something I especially cherished. Um, so, yeah. Now, not everyone has 50 friends. I don't. But... Uh, up to fifty friends. <laughs> yeah, up to. Yeah, we will not be. Uh, we'll not be demanding that fifty people show up before we start talking. We're we're sociable that way. So I bet you're wondering what's the contest? How does it work? Here's Adam Felder to tell you all about it. Adam, thanks, Adam. Here's how this one works. We're calling the contest. <laughs> we're calling the contest the longest cat. Now. We all have cats. If you can figure out which of us has a cat with the longest name, the one with the highest number of letters in it, you will be entered into our drawing to win the big prize. Exciting? Yes, it is. Here's the contest rules. The contest ends at 11.59 p.m. on Tuesday, April 28th, 2021. Our entry, one entry allowed per email address. Only correct answers will be eligible to win and put it in the drawing. Here's what you do. You go to this web address, bit.ly slash NLTPP contest 421. Now, that's a load. I'm going to say it again, but know that you can get this off our social medias, too. That's bit-ly slash NLTPP contest 421. You go there. You fill out a form. You put in your email address. You let us know which cat... Um, has the most letters in it, and then you can be entered to win. One winner will be drawn to win the Zoom call, which will be scheduled based on a mutually convenient day and time for Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, and the winner. The winner will be contacted (laughs) on May 11th, 2021. Don't leave your house that day. The winner must... No, you can leave. The winner must confirm with NLTPP by May 15th, or a new name will be pulled. Ta-da! The longest cat. Were you thinking that someone wouldn't be able to remember bit.ly slash NLTPP contest 421? 
Well, I was thinking it might be a little bit, especially if they're driving right now, to remember bit.ly slash NLTPP contest 421. So I wanted to give them the option and let them know if you go to our Facebook page or our Twitter feed, you can find that address. We're going to pin it right to the top. Right, Tony Anita Hall? Yes, we will. So by the way, NLTPP, now I've never worked for the CIA, but I'm going to tell you this. It's the abbreviation for nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. <laughs> I cracked it, that it, code. It is that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You, you cracked the code. Now, the, the 421, I don't get, but we'll, you know. It's... April 2021. That's what 421 stands for. And what is the significance of the date April 21? No, I'm just saying it's April of 2021. That's where oh. my mind was when I did that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. And it's a bit.ly link. Anyone who's my age knows what that is. I know what a bit.ly what link is. is too, Missy. <laughs> I don't I have no idea what that is. It's a, it's uh, one just, of the more prominent of the con, of the commercial um link shortening services so that it can be a, a short and memorable uh web address not something long. <laughs> I didn't even so much. Are there are there link shortening services? There are. I you know I'm not a religious person, but I would go to a link shortening service. You you do go to a link shortening service. No, I don't. No, your business does. Your dates do. You use a link shortening service. Oh my gosh! This is like when. This was like when Madge had the woman soaking in palm olive and she didn't even know it. Yeah, you were yeah. currently soaking in link shortening. Wow, I love that. And with that, wow. order, order. I am calling oh, the mighty no. Moby Dick book club <laughs> no. to, to order. No. It is not a Moby Dick book club. It's the <laughs> Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone book club that is reading Moby Dick. You don't change the name of the club every time you read a different book. I guess I'm hoping that this is the only book this club ever reads. No, <laughs> oh, it's that not. That isn't nice. That isn't I'm, nice. I'm getting really tired of the book club. Uh, not no, you guys, I, but uh, Moby Adam, Dick. I think we've inspired so many people to have a love of literature as a result of this book club. I take great pride in that. Okay, I think you're right. But let me just tell you guys what happened. We read chapters uh, 46 to 55 this week, and mm -hmm. um, I was getting bored. So what I did is I started reading it aloud to my cat, Moonbeam. And um, it was uh, it was actually a pretty exciting <laughs> it was actually a pretty exciting section. Things are finally happening. I mean, um, we're we're hearing the legend of Moby Dick. We're finding out that Captain Ahab's completely crazy. We hear something underneath in the hold, and then it turns out that he's got this whole like weird second crew that's there exclusively to hunt Moby Dick with him. And then it, then it turns into kind of this ghost story because they think they see this spout every night and they go out there and there's no whale and they talk to other ships and they're asking for tales of Moby Dick and they hear a tale of a, of a guy who got killed. It was a really exciting bunch of chapters, I thought. Hey, let's go to Sherman Oaks, California for Tony Anita Hull's take on this. So... I've been spending a lot of time with my cat, Mr. Totes, but that's not the reason why I didn't read the book. Um, you know I'm against reading this book now. And I think you didn't I read the book? Why. 
You no. told Dolly Parton you were going <laughs> to read the book. Oh, my God. Wow. I lied. So oh. I. No, you I didn't, didn't lie. You lie lied to Dolly, Dolly Parton. Yeah, what That's kind of an asshole up. lies to Dolly Parton? Oh, Tony. All right, go um, ahead. Let me let me defend myself. So I, you know why I don't think I connect with this book? There are no female characters in it. That's not I true. Is ridiculous. That's not true. And so that's a good point. No, I was not the entire the entire um, industry of whaling didn't really pass the Bechtel test. <laughs> yes. So, uh, listener David Snyder from Oberlin, Ohio, recommended a book called Ahab's Wife by Sina Jeter Nasland, and I think that's what I'm going to read instead now of Moby Dick. No, you're not. Listener. Tony, you, you, you've gone rogue. <laughs> you've gone rogue. I, listeners, <laughs> as much as I love you, do not send in recommendations on shit Tony can read instead of the book. That's absurd. So, so can I tell you the opening line? Yes. Captain Ahab. No. Yes, Captain Ahab was neither my first husband nor my last. Isn't that so much more intriguing than Call Me Ishmael? No. Uh, no, not really. Um, Mr. Totes, my cat, would agree. <laughs> well, maybe well, Mr. Totes and you should set up your own book club because you, you're just kind of fucking us over, Tony. Yeah, I can't saying, believe that. Where, where are the women? There is a woman in the book. It's the well, owner's there... wife. No, the owner's okay. sister. Excuse me. The owner's sister. No. Not only that, what there's the woman who lady? runs the inn. Remember the woman who runs the, the, the chowder house? Oh, chowder good hut? point. Yeah. Okay, okay. Do you, okay. How many chapters do they exist in out of the 135? You One know what? Piece. We're not going to tell you. You find out from your Captain Ahab wife book. Uh, you know what? I, can't... I will, and I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. She Tony's going to read the Moby Moby Dick book of names. She she. I just don't understand what you must have been a terrible student. No, the I was teacher actually would an excellent know. student. No, she. I know the the teacher Straight would say a everyone. Oh, the teacher would say everyone open your books, and Tony from the back of the room would be make me. <laughs> no, that was I, you. I always no, have strong I, I, I opinions. I think it's kind of weird that it, it took this long, Tony, for you to go like, you know what? There's no women in this book. I mean, like, it's it's not called Moby Vag. Oh, damn. <laughs> damn. <laughs> Phelps, damn. That was, I, that was specifically for Paula. <laughs> I, um, you, know, I, you know, I've been trying to just figure out why I'm not connecting with the material. And I oh, think I see. that's why. That's possible. Totally possible. Well, let's let's go talk to somebody else here. Uh, is there somebody else I can talk to? <laughs> Tony, I'm going to talk, Wait, I'm gonna talk to your supervisor. Me? Let's go to Bonnie Burns, <laughs> who, who does connect with this. Well, okay. I found these chapters really gut-wrenching. You know, I was on the edge <laughs> of the whaling boat seat. <laughs> Why is that so funny? Paula started laughing so I did. What the I thought the chapters were were good. They were intriguing. I you know, you're right, there was a little bit of 
There's more action than there has been, and that was good, but gut-wrenching? Gut-wrenching? I know. Order. No. Order. I, Paula, I Bonnie mean, Burns has the floor and possibly a gastric disorder. Uh, yeah, gut-wrenching. Yeah, it could be coming from no, somewhere okay. else. You know, there were the creepy guys that got in the boat, and yep. and Ahab manipulating this crew to, you know, get what he wanted. But, you know, at first when I was reading him, I was thinking, Ahab's going after what he wants at all costs. He doesn't care about people. He's just, you know, life or death, whatever it is, he just wants what he wants. And it's an allegory to, like, if somebody wants success and they think it's going to bring them happiness, and then, you know, like, people die in their way, blah, 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 blah. But the more I read, the more I thought, no, it's none of this. And, you know, it's really taking this writer a long time to get to the point. (laughs) By the time I got to chapter 55, I didn't remember anything from the beginning. So the one pleasurable thing that had happened, we have a really cool cat named Tiger. And when we got him, we got him. He was like a rescue cat. (laughs) Why are you laughing? In what way was he like a rescue cat? Uh, He was a rescue cat. He he played one in community theater. Well, then I think you could say that sentence without the word like in it. Senator Burns has the floor. Order. (laughs) Okay. Go on, Bonnie. uh... We get this cat. We take him home. I think my daughter was seven, whatever. So we get him home, and we had this, like, little plastic red cup, like, that you put toothbrushes in. The cat was on the floor, and he held that cup in his in his two little paws. And then he was, like, making these really sort of, like, <laughs> like, like, are these sounds, like, that were unusual. And he was this sort of odd stripe coloring. So we look him up in a book, and all the descriptions fit a Bengal cat, which, you know, is pretty expensive. So I called the pet store, and I said, you know, I don't think you guys realize, like, what you gave us was a Bengal cat. And the lady said, no, we knew we gave you a Bengal cat, but you didn't know that it was a Bengal cat, and that's why we let you have it. So his name's Tiger, and he's a really cool cat. Is this in Moby but, uh, Dick? Yeah, what the hell just happened? <laughs> no, it doesn't have anything to do with Moby Dick. <laughs> I just thought I'd tell you the story. Yeah. Can she be censured again? Is, there, is yeah, it time to censure them again? Censored. Yeah. I move to censure. Uh, Paula, you can move to censure. I can second it. Oh, my God. Yes. I can't okay, believe I second it. it. I'm Let's take a boat. trying to learn wrong? about Moby Dick, and I hear a story about Bonnie's cat holding a cup. Why am I listening to that? <laughs> That's unusual. How many cats can hold a cup in their paws? I'm holding I'm- a vote. All in favor of censuring Bonnie Burns, say aye. <laughs> aye. <laughs> well, clearly we, we, we've, we're all here, and yet we somehow don't have a quorum. Let's continue. Nay. <laughs> Let's move on. Paula, what's your take on on Moby Dick this week? Order. Order. (laughs) All right. Uh, So as you guys know, I have the floor. Um, As you guys know, I I listened to the whole book within the first couple of weeks. But now in order order to sort of backtrack to be with you uh, slowpokes, I've been reading it. I think we were supposed to read chapters 45 to 55 this week. So I was reading uh, 
And I got as far as what there may be of a narrative in this book, which is the first sentence of chapter 45, when I heard my cat ShamWow ralphing really loudly in front of the cleaning closet. And when I opened the cleaning closet to get a cloth, my cat Theo ran in there. And when I grabbed Theo to pull him out, he grabbed that silver vent hose thing on the furnace with his claws, tore it and pulled it off. When I get out the phone book to find a repairman, and yes, I do still use a phone book, um, it's just that many of the businesses in the yellow pages uh, have closed. Uh, anyway, when I get out the phone book, my cat Wednesday peed on it, and I called the repairman and sat down to read Moby Dick with a soda, and my cat Mrs. Fezziwig knocked the soda over. I cleaned it up and sat down to read again, and then I heard a muffled meow sound, I opened the cleaning closet and my cat Hardy had gone into the hole where the vent was attached to the furnace. I pulled her out and sat down to read. But by that time, my cat Harrison, who is the schedule keeper in my house, uh, can't hold a fucking cup, I'll tell you that. Uh, By that time, my cat Harrison (laughs) was yelling at me to feed them. Uh, And I tried to read again today. But the minute I sat down, my cat Severus started a fight with my cat Tonks. I'll tell you something. <laughs> you just cannot read Moby Dick and not see this as an omen. Uh, so I stopped. And you know what? 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 I really want a kitten. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Don't do it, Paula. All right. Better do. talk to Wendell. I and do. with I that, um, uh, I am going to call the meeting of uh, our book club, which is now re- three quarters of us reading Moby Dick, one quarter <laughs> of us reading Ahab's Wife, to a close. All right. Now, Paula, do you have a word this week? <laughs> I do have a word, Adam. Uh, wait, let me just. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, I do have a word. It's inveigh. It's a verb that means speak or write about someone with great hostility. Here, I'll I'll use it in a sentence. Most Republicans in Congress fear telling the truth because the former guy will inveigh against them. Um, Ooh, nice. uh, Let's let's put it right in our vocabulary song. Uh, Here we go. Wait. Oh, uh, here it is. This week's word is inveigh. It's a verb that means speak or write about someone with great hostility. Sports fans do this when a player doesn't show agility. Last week's <laughs> word was schadenfreude. It's a noun that means pleasure derived by someone from another person's misfortune. I wouldn't mind if Mar-a-Lago was shut down through May or June. The week before that, the word was immutable. It's an adjective that means not changing or able to be changed. What if the furniture on the Titanic couldn't be rearranged? Going back before that, the word was ultracrepidarian. It's an adjective that means expressing opinions on matters outside the scope of one's knowledge or expertise. It's also a noun that means someone you'd describe as 
Ultra crepidarian, ultra crepidarian, <laughs> ultra crepidarian. I think it's safe to eat that uncooked carrion. And not long ago we had insensate. It's an adjective that means lacking sympathy or compassion, unfeeling. Get up and do all my chores even though you're still healing. Let's never forget gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's an noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do. You really summed that up there nicely there. Yeah, I just, you know, you go to another level. That's what I find uh, when you <laughs> yeah, when you play the Glock like that. Yeah, you just go to another level. It's like you guys weren't even there for me. I, I, I mean, I mean, I know you were there, but like I just was in another place. I wasn't there for you. I often take my headphones out during that segment. Oh, that's why you weren't there for yeah. me. My mistake. <laughs> that's why. Whew. Coming up, Thomas Aquinas said sorrow can be alleviated by good sleep, a bath and a glass of wine. So grab a drink, hop in a tub, it's time for our slumber party next on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. 
That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux, and I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your sleepy time pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula. You know... Every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. 
I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing. They cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway. Use our code. Adam, you know, I have a house full of cats and a couple of big dogs. So I have this one cat who every night likes to stand in the hallway and yowl. And he has kind of a, a little bit like me, because uh, of allergies. I don't know why he has it, but his name is Theo and he has a really grovelly voice. So he'll, it's it's hard to describe it. I can't do a good impression, um, but it's a little dusty, gravelly voice. Okay, so earlier I was laying on the living room floor because I'm exhausted and I'm wearing a nylon fiber fill vest. As I'm laying on the floor, Theo shoves his head through one sleeve of the vest and crawls up and is now stuck inside in between my back and the vest and is yowling <laughs> because he can't get out. And then finally his head comes out the other sleeve and he goes out. <laughs> What's not to love? That's what I say. <laughs> what is not to love? Which brings me to this. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of your family, you know that already, and you want the best for them no matter what. But vet bills can really add up. Go ahead, ask me. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. That's a lot of pets. True. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash Paula. That's ASPCA. We spell that A-S-P-C-A. PetInsurance.com slash Paula. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Jane Goodall said, Do I tell Flo that David Greybeard is having an affair? 
I mean, they're chimpanzees, but she's my friend. <laughs> Thank you to house band Adam Fisher. Uh, Paula, uh, even though you somewhat famously don't have a bed, you are a big fan of sleep. I am. Uh, I love to sleep. In fact, when I wake up in the morning, sometimes the only thing that gets me moving is the idea that the sooner I get up and get all my shit done, the sooner I can get back to sleep, which makes me curious about how it works and why it is so damn good. Well, Paula Poundstone, we are fortunate to have an expert on that very topic by coincidence. She has a doctorate in clinical psychology from Washington University and now runs the Mizzou Sleep Research Lab at the University of Missouri. Her research focuses on comorbid insomnia, objective and subjective sleep assessment, and day-to-day -day variability in sleep and related behaviors. Let's welcome Dr. Christina McRae. Welcome, doctor. Thank you for having me. Yes, we're so glad you're here. Let's just jump right in. Dr. McRae, what happens when we sleep? Oh, that could be a really long answer, but let me give you the short of it. Um, physical and mental restoration sleep is a find out foundational health behavior along with exercise and nutrition, and it impacts our health physically and mentally. It also impacts our quality of life. Um, that's sleep in a nutshell. That's not, that's a good yeah. answer. Um, yeah, that's a really good answer. You're correct. Now let's go on to the bonus round. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, how much, Adam doesn't know if you're correct, by the way. It's, it's, <laughs> no, I just. He, he's, he's an ultra crepidarian. Um, all right. How, well, how much, much do you want to know? Do you want to no, know? No, that was, uh, okay. that was a that was perfect exactly what we answer. Wanted to know. He's okay. only kidding. How he's only kidding. Um, how, how much sleep do we need? Uh, okay. As a doing what I do, I, I hate that question somewhat, but I know everybody wants to ask it. Um, because I do. <laughs> yeah, obviously you do. So uh, there are, we start off sleeping the most we're ever going to sleep when we're babies. And then it sort of goes downhill progressively from there. Um, <laughs> so you start off, you know, needing, you know, 14 to 17 hours um, as an as an infant um, till you, you know, reach till you're 65 and over, then you're about seven or eight hours a night. So I know everyone tries to get that mythical eight hours. I hear it all the time. And the reason I don't like that question, because in what I do, I work with insomniacs, and sometimes the over-focus on how much sleep one is or isn't getting is part of the problem. So oh. I prefer, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That is the most liberating thing to hear, because I am an insomniac, lifelong. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so you're, you're, you're the type of person I work with, um, all day, just about every day, it feels like sometimes. So the reason I don't like that question is that I would prefer to have you focus on sleeping in a consolidated block of sleep. Cause often people with insomnia, their sleep is sort of chopped up throughout the night. They're, you know, taking a long time to fall asleep and then they wake up a lot during the night. I would much rather see you sleep a consolidated block of sleep, and then look at how you're feeling and functioning during the day as the gauge of when we've hit 
the right amount of sleep for you. Oh. Huh. So, like, actually listen to what my body's saying about how I feel rather than just beat up on myself every day for 50 years about not having (laughs) enough sleep? Exactly. Yeah. How are you feeling and functioning during the day? And once we've got you to where you're sleeping a good solid block and you're feeling uh, good during the day, then we've hit on the number that's right for you. Wow. Here's another way you might work with yourself, uh, Adam, and with your patients, Dr. McRae, is instead of worrying about how much sleep, you know, obsessing over how much sleep people are getting, they could just be concerned about being awake less. <laughs> it's just a different way of phrasing it. That's all. <laughs> huh. Yeah. That Adam, might you- be very helpful, although I completely don't understand it. <laughs> Well, maybe you could lay awake and sort it out. Um, so what, <laughs> yeah. what What? happens when we don't sleep? Mm. So the short answer is bad things. Um, but it has a negative impact on our health mentally and physically. And I particularly like to point out right now, since we're in the midst of a pandemic, that you know not sleeping well can have an impact on our immune functioning. Oh. It can have Ooh. yep. It can have an impact on our, you know, our heart, our cardiovascular system. It can have an impact on, you know, memory and learning, mood. You can be more irritable if you're not sleeping well. That's not uh, true. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> after Farley Moet's book came out or maybe after the movie came out, uh, Never Cry Wolf, um there was sort of this idea. Remember wolf naps, like wolves sleep for like 20 minutes at a time or something like that. Um, there was sort of an idea at one point that maybe that was a good idea that you, uh, you know, you'd sleep for a little while and then you would do something. And then you sleep for a little while. Why, why won't that work? Yeah. So in the, in the work that I do with people who have insomnia, we actually encourage not napping during the day. And we use the analogy of napping is like snacking before dinner. So you want to build up your appetite for sleep. The longer you're awake, the more you're increasing your sleep drive. And if you take that nap, you're sort of reducing that sleep drive a little bit. You might not sleep as well then at night. Oh. Now, is is sleep retroactive? Like, um, you know, how some people will, you know, just sort of bust ass all week. And getting, you know, not enough sleep all week. And then they say, well, I sleep on the weekend. Is Does it work that way? Oh, don't we all wish it would? Um. Yeah, is sleep, <laughs> is sleep debt a thing? I, I I hear about that a lot. It It is a thing. Um, but you, I mean, I know we all wish like, oh, we slept one hour less each day during the week. So we'll sleep five hours more on the weekend and we'll make up for that. And unfortunately, it doesn't quite work that way. It takes, sleep debt is, is cumulative, but it takes longer than a day or two to sort of make up for not having slept well. And we're not even sure if you really and truly can completely, you know, make up for sleep in that way. But boy, I get asked that all the time because we ask in my uh, research for people to maintain, you know, consistent bed and wake times. And sometimes that's difficult. And boy, they really want to, you know, take advantage of the weekends to say like, well, I didn't do so well on the week, but I'm going to make up for it <laughs> over the weekend. Um, and we know that 
unfortunately doesn't work so well. Oh. Um, now, does sleep on an airplane, like for, you know, 41 years, you know, I, I traveled a lot. Uh, yep. And I would often get, you know, a couple sleep, hours of sleep in a bed. And then most of my sleep was just traveling on the airplane. Is airplane sleep when your neck is kind of bobbing up and down and you're drooling and uh, deeply humiliated? Is that the same as sleeping in a bed? So that's a somewhat complicated question. Um, There's all kinds of tips about how to sleep better on an airplane, and that's because most people find it somewhat difficult, right? Because you got lots going on around you. You're not comfortable, as you've described. So for most people, sleeping on a plane is not going to be the same as sleeping in their bed. But obviously, trying to get what you can on a plane, as opposed to not sleeping at all, um, might be better for you than, as I said, not sleeping at all. But I mean, how, I was, how did you feel when you were sleeping on the plane? Did that feel like you were, oh, actually not in your bed because you don't sleep in a bed, right? Right. But I, when I, the minute my butt hits the seat, I'm out like a light. Yep. I, I, a lot of times, for the most part, if I'm traveling alone and I sit down, I, then I fall asleep. And, um, and there's times where it turns out there was like a hours of delay or maybe we never even took off and I don't know about it because I was just asleep Wow! the whole time. Yeah. So it sounds yeah, like I, for I, you, you sleep well on a plane. Maybe that, maybe it's the opposite for me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe sleeping yeah. at home is really fucking me up and I need an airplane. I'm hoping insurance <laughs> is going to cover that. That's what, what I'm hoping. Um, well, you know, uh, Leonardo da Vinci said a well-spent day brings happy sleep. A well-spent life brings happy death. Way to bring the room down, Leo. But we'll come back and try to rebound from that when we return. The Cat of the Week is Maud from Chehalis, Washington. detective came and knocked on the door and I said is it Renee and he just gave me that solemn look it was the worst day ever the proof podcast is back with a new case and a new season 23 years ago 18 year old Renee Ramos went missing her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town I don't think that they arrested the right people it's about time somebody's trying to do something she had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee?
Hey, listener, it's Zach Harper, Amin Al-Hassan, and Anthony Mays of Cinephobe. You may be asking yourself, what is Cinephobe? Amin, would you like to fill in the people? Cinephobe is the podcast where Zach and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain... Oh, we're trying to well. ascertain? Yes. Okay. Same. Ascertain. Whether or not they're accurately poorly rated, or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. Cinephobe, produced by this guy, Anthony Mays. Hey, that's me. I produced this show. I also watch the movies, even though that wasn't included in the description, and I also ascertain. <laughs> This month is... Wow! Oh, oh, Maze, why do you say that? Supercharge it. (laughs) So that this promo can remain evergreen. I feel like explaining a little bit more. In 60 seconds? I don't know. Maybe I don't bring attention to it. Assuring people like, look, if you listen, you're going to get it. Just give it give it time. That's a good promo. Just listen to it. Give it time. You'll figure it out. Is this the promo right now? Isn't it? Okay, I think we got it. Cinefo. Wherever you get podcasts. (laughs) And we are back with Dr. Christina McCray. Now, doctor, why can't I sleep? I don't know. Tell me, why, why do you think you can't sleep? Oh, I think it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things. So let, let me, uh, before we get into me, which is, you know, really what I'm here about, um, why don't you tell us some of the most common things that are keeping people from sleeping? These. Oh, I know one thing. I know one thing. Sorry to interrupt, but it's this. La, 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 la. <laughs> when, when I used to do that, when I put my kids to bed, they could not sleep. Okay, that's probably one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a okay. big one. <laughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt. I just rarely have an answer. And when I have that, I get excited. No, you knew that one. Uh, full marks on that, Paula. <laughs> yeah, much appreciated. Um, so yeah. that's, that is... Definitely one. There are a variety of factors that can impact someone's sleep, but I would say these days the screen time is a really big issue for folks. And I, um, during the pandemic, I think it's even more so than it was before. You know, it's just so hard to put those devices down uh, to sort of like start the whole relaxing and going to bed process. Um, and I think people tend to stay up later. You're sort of surfing around. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I've become a stimulus junkie, I think, uh, you know, looking for sort of a hit of especially political kind of stuff. I find myself, you know, filling a hole a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, it's, ad- it's um, addictive. But isn't it also sort of a vicious cycle? Like you can't sleep, so you read. And you read and it interests you, so you can't sleep even more. I mean, that, that, that seems to be lifelong what's been happening with me. Yep, definitely for some people, um, when they can't sleep, we'll say, if you're going to read, make it something boring. Don't make it like a novel that you're going to get all wrapped up in where you're like, I got to get to the next chapter and then the next chapter and the next chapter because that's defeating the whole purpose. So you have to be sort of selective about what you're going to do. And then we also recommend if you're you know, someone with insomnia, we recommend that you get out of the bed, out of your bed and out of your bedroom and go to something in another room if you are having difficulty falling asleep so that you don't associate your bed, your bedroom, bedtime, all that with being awake and wakeful activities. Oh, it's like training wow. a puppy a puppy or something. Um, <laughs> what about if Adam gets up from his bed and he goes to the living room and he does uh, uses woodworking tools? Is that... No. Um, so what we do, we do it. To- <laughs> that might that might impact the sleep of some of my family members. A bit. <laughs> 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 um, 
Exactly. Um, go ahead. Credible bandsaw there, Paula. <laughs> that was good. Um, so that is something that we have to work with people to sort of like make sure that the activity that they're picking doesn't become sort of part of the problem. So, you know, I have worked with people like, oh, I'm going to get up and bake 20 pies for my church or whatever it is they're doing. We're like, no, that's defeating the purpose. It needs to be something that is sort of um, low key, a little bit boring, so that as soon as you start to feel sleepy, then you can go back to bed. These activities that you're describing are things that you might kind of really get into, and then you don't want to go back to sleep. You get sort of more activated. Those church people, the ones that want to make the pies for their church, they should read that um, book of the Bible that has uh, the begats. You know, so oh, and so maybe begat so and so and so and so begat so and so. I mean, it really is not a page turner that section. <laughs> so uh, that would that could do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. let me let me tell you a little bit about um, the different sleep stages. So um, you've probably heard that we. Oops. Okay, it's time for me to go oh my to bed. God. <laughs> it's time to get up. <laughs> Just, you have. You have a terrible really sleep, sleep schedule. <laughs> no, it's it is. Not. I'm so sorry. That is the time that my 12 year old is, needs to start his sleep routine, <laughs> and he's supposed to be in bed by nine. I forgot to turn that off. My apologies. Um, oh, I see. So you probably know that we, throughout the night, our sleep cycles through four stages, four to five times during the typical night, and one cycle takes I don't know a little over an hour to two hours, sort of in that range. And the stages are broken into REM, which is rapid eye movement sleep, which you've probably heard of. And then mm-hmm. three stages of non-REM sleep. And so we start off sleep with going from the non-REM stage one, which is the lightest and you're transitioning into sleep to stage two, mm-hmm. which is again, still a lighter stage and you're easily awoken, um, but it's a little de- deeper than stage one. And then into stage three, which is also known as slow waves sleep. And then you go into the rapid eye movement sleep. And the interesting thing about the rapid eye movement sleep is it's sometimes referred to as paradoxical sleep because your brain is as active as you were when you're awake, but a lot of your musculature is paralyzed. I mean, with the exception of breathing and your heart's still beating and that type of thing. And it's thought that that occurs so that you're not you, you often have your most intense dreams during that state, and it's thought that that occurs so that you're not acting out your dreams. Wow. Uh-huh. So, oh, we, we got to get my dog some of that. Yeah, yeah seriously. Because, um, you know, their legs move a lot uh, when they're having bad dreams uh, and stuff. Mm-hmm. They sure do. Um, well, they're, they're as fucked up as I am. <laughs> I, I had a friend, uh, a comic friend, who used to say, uh, sleep is death without the responsibility. I always like that. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad at all. <laughs> now, Thomas Edison uh, famously slept very little, and he was a, a tremendously productive genius. Are there are there flukes to these sleep theories? You know about yeah, how much? Are there? Uh, and not Adam. Adam is not one of the flukes to the sleep theories. Just keep that in mind. You, you don't know that. I could. I, I no, you're not. I, I I do know that. I did a study. You don't. You don't run a study. You don't do a study. Yeah. So I, you know, there are these sort of 
unique individuals that we hear about that are, you know, highly productive and have unusual sleep patterns. You know, with Edison, I think, wasn't he a frequent napper? And <laughs> he would be caught napping throughout the day. And he... Well, um, he did nap sometimes, but they were, uh, according to the biography that I listened to, the naps were very brief. And he often would work, you know, 24, 48, like, you know, work days in a row and then sleep. But he would, uh, yes, he would sort of lay down in a corner and use his jacket for a pillow and then wake up in a little while and be hard back at it. Yeah. And I don't know if that also told you, because I looked him up as well. So I was like, this is interesting that he would hold like metal balls. And so as he was drifting off, he would drop them and that would wake him up and he'd write down all of his thoughts. And that's how he came up with some of oh his inventive thoughts. Did you see that? Gosh, I'm like, no. <laughs> that was really interesting. No, how could this biographer not have said that? No, I never heard that. Oh my gosh. Well, that was on I the kind- internet. Who knows? Maybe it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I, ca- I do something similar in that occasionally if I fall asleep reading and if it's a hardcover book, it hits me in the head. Yeah, uh, me too. And then I wake up and <laughs> dog ear it and, and go to bed. So well, the dog write down hearing, your thoughts, apparently, if you're yeah, listening to Edison, I, write down. <laughs> I guess I should. Um, do people get paid to be a subject in they, sleep studies? They do. Um, I'm so happy. I found my niche. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You can definitely get paid to, we pay our participants who are participate in our research studies. And I think most researchers do. I got to say, I don't see how that could possibly work. I mean, not 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 for me. I mean, the idea that I would have to, you know, it's it's hard enough for me to 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 look at the clock and realize I'm not getting enough sleep, and that keeps me up. The idea that I would have to fall asleep in a laboratory setting, I just don't think I could do it. Well, interesting that you say that. But the people I work with that have insomnia, they often sleep better somewhere other than their own bedroom bedroom. And, and plus, when they wake up, don't they go on the wheel? On, no, <laughs> yes, we, we have them run on. No, um, so the research that I do is we are paying people for their time, not time essentially, it's compensation for the time that they give to the study. But then usually my research involves um, giving them some sort of treatment, and then we look at how their sleep is after the treatment. So it's not literally like we're coming, having them come into the lab and say, okay. If you sleep eight hours, you're getting $80 and you sleep nine. You know, it's not that type of payment for a sleep oh study. Oh, my God. I could have made a shitload of money. <laughs> when you say you give them some sort of treatment, like what kinds of things? What kinds of things? Yeah. So my, um, I do all non-drug <laughs> types of treatments. And so we focus on behaviors and thought patterns that we know interfere with sleep and so we do a treatment called cognitive behavioral treatment for insomnia and it's actually the recommended treatment for chronic insomnia and then we're also testing out some new things we're using a virtual reality type of treatment that we're testing that's you know brand new to us we've just developed the protocol um those those types of things now I'm glad you're not using the uh, the the drugs thing. I'd say I tried Ambien for a little while and I just hated it. Uh-huh. That was just that was just rotten. Just a terrible. I mean, I'd get sleep, but it, it, I never felt good in the morning. Yeah, and that's the case for a lot of people. Once you have a chronic um, sleep type of problem, that's where you the recommending the medications typically isn't the the 
route for somebody who's had a chronic problem once it gets beyond three months. If you had the difficulty falling and staying asleep or you're, you know, waking up non-unrefreshed in the morning or waking up earlier than you want in the morning. If you have insomnia, chronic insomnia, we're not typically going to recommend a medication in that situation. The cognitive behavioral treatment for insomnia is often the first. How about other things that people recommend, like like warm tea or melatonin or any of those things? Or milk. Or milk. Yeah, we actually tell people if you're, you know, not to eat a big meal within a couple hours of bedtime, but if you, you know, feel like you absolutely have to have something, we'll say like maybe, you know, a small glass of milk is fine. But in terms of milk itself as the treatment, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of evidence to support that that's going to be your best bet. Oh, there is. Have you ever been to a farm at night? The calves <laughs> oh, are cows out sleep. like lights. Oh, no, the ca- not the cows. So well. They don't drink milk. <laughs> the calves. Oh my God! You can't wake them. Yeah. 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 Try to get a calf to do anything for you after 5 p.m. It's not going to work. Yep. Nope. They're also young. Remember I said that when we're young, we <laughs> younger. I mean, I'm young. I think of myself young. When you're very young, you, you tend to sleep a lot and it sort of like decreases as we go across the lifespan. So oh, they got that yeah. going for them too. Yeah. Is melatonin yeah. a thing? Is melatonin helpful? Should I be taking that? Oh, this is another one that... Um, People say it. Yes, they And do. people are always right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are, yeah. Um, so this is one where it gets difficult because it's hard to know what is in what you're getting if you buy it at your local pharmacy, you know, because it's not regulated. Um, but it is used often like with certain groups like kids with autism. I know melatonin is used a lot. And very frequently when people come into my research studies, they're using melatonin as, as well. But when you're taking it for insomnia, you really need to um, work with someone who knows what they're doing and knows when you should be taking it. So you're going to need to take it like a couple hours before you want to actually fall asleep. It's not like a sleeping bill. You, you take it and then you immediately fall asleep. So I think the problems are you don't know how potent the particular melatonin is that you've gotten. And then I think often how it's administered, people aren't administering it correctly. So I think that's part of the problem with melatonin. And um, if you have a chronic insomnia problem, again, I'm always going to recommend the uh, cognitive behavioral and strategies like that, because we know that your thought patterns and your behaviors are the things that sort of help to maintain um, a chronic sleep problem like insomnia. All right, um, we should probably wrap it up, but I did just want to ask you one more question. Uh, and I get this from mostly, I don't know, Warner Brothers cartoons or maybe some Tom and Jerry's. What about a mallet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a fair question. Blunt trauma to the head. How good is that yeah. as a sleep aid? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not going to recommend that. <laughs> Surprisingly, I know know you're expecting something different there. I guess guess you're four out of five doctors do, though. So I guess you're the you're the fifth. Exactly. Um, Well, Dr. Christina McGray, that was excellent. But now I'm afraid what we're going to have to do is take all that knowledge that you unfolded for us and stuff it into the old pounce donator and see what comes out. Paula? House band cellist Adam Fisher, you sound terrific. And we're so grateful to have your wonderful music on our show. If I could task you with 
providing some background music while I tell you what the Pounstonator spit out. Everybody wants to know how much sleep they're supposed to get, but Dr. McRae has a better question, which is, how do you feel and function during the day? If you're at the top of your game, you're probably in the sweet spot sleep schedule-wise. This is a life-changing concept for me. I do shit wrong all the time, and I never adjust my sleep schedule as a result. That changes right now. More than once, I've asked women who weren't pregnant when their baby was due. Once you make that mistake, even once, it should be the last time. But if I ever again say to a woman, when is the baby due? And she says, I'm not pregnant. I'm going to close my eyes right then and there, slump to the floor and say, I'm just going to conk out for a couple of hours because clearly I am not at my best. Next time I get pulled over driving and the cop says, I've stopped you because you made an illegal U-turn. Can I see your license and registration? I'll say, yes, sir, officer. You are absolutely right. I'm just fucking up right and left. My body is telling me I'm not getting the right amount of sleep. So I'm just going to put my seat back and have a nap, and I will be happy to get you my license and registration after that. By the way, how are you functioning today, sir? This passenger seat goes back if you need a few more hours of sleep. (laughs) (laughs) She's head of the Mizzou Sleep Research Lab at the University of Missouri, and she has been just so great. Thank you so much. Dr. Christina McRae, everybody. Dr. McRae, thank you so much. Uh, It was really informative, and uh, I've... I, I'm going to bed. <laughs> Coming up next, why are you having trouble sleeping? Because you're just so darn curious about us and the way we run our little show. It's time for Mailbag Insider Edition when we return. The spread of misinformation has fueled our cultural divide and increased our collective anxiety about the future. Tackling misinformation isn't a simple task, but it's important. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about Conspirituality, a podcast that's dismantling new age cults, wellness grifters, and conspiracy mad yogis. On the show, a journalist, a cult researcher, and a philosophical skeptic walk into a bar and the bartender says, no, 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 it's not that old joke. They dive deep into current events such as RFK Jr.'s involvement in mainstreaming dangerous anti-vax rhetoric. They crowdsource, research, analyze, and dream up answers to the problem with, get this, proven science as their ultimate guiding light. I highly recommend you check out Conspirituality's fascinating episodes on creating comedy in the MAGAverse with Jordan Klepper or RFK Jr. flirting with body fascism. And you've listened to a bunch of them at this point, Paul, I know, and you tell me you love it. I, I do. They're, they're fascinating, and my favorite part is they use, wait for it, proven science. Science? And, and if, if there's any kids listening, that's a class we used to take. 
proven yep. science as their ultimate guiding light. I love that. From exploring cults to analyzing our cultural and political landscape, the Conspirituality Podcast will help you stay informed about misinformation and help you resist fear tactics. Find Conspirituality on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fun fact, a sea slug whose head gets cut off can grow back an entire new body, which saves them all a shitload on plastic surgery. Remember that. <laughs> what? <laughs> Remember what? That when, a sea, when a sea slug gets its head cut off... Um, it can grow back an entire body, and that saves it a shitload on plastic surgery. Remember I that. I should remember yeah. that. It's a cautionary um, tale. That's how I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know what just happened. And we're back. Paula, it's just about time for Mailbag Insider Edition. <laughs> Now, our listeners have been paying close attention to our lives and the way the show works, and, well, they have questions about us and the way we run this joint. And we're pulling them out of what? Well, we thought we'd pull them out for <laughs> Mailbag Insider Edition. Yeah. Insider Edition. Okay, so uh, Tony Anita Hall, you're our resident reacher into of the Mailbag. Insider edition. Uh, step on up to the mic and read us some mailbag. Insider edition. <laughs> okay, I think we're ready. I'm no matter having... how quietly you say insider edition, I'm still going to do this with a glockenspiel. Insider edition. <laughs> I, I'm just going to wait it out. <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. We're ready. Come okay. on, honey. Lay okay. it on us. So, this is from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is from Christopher Chadwick. I've been listening to the show since the beginning, and I have no idea why Senator Sanders calls Adam Compass Head. What did I miss? Well, you missed Chris the episode where Senator Sanders started calling me Compass Head. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, Paula, well, do you want to tell this story? I believe it was one of our earliest um, auctions when Senator Bernie um, Sanders dropped by for the first time. Uh, that That is correct, uh, Compass Head. Uh, I will <laughs> be honest with you uh, because uh, you can expect that from, from me, from Bernie Sanders. Uh, I've forgotten why I called I remember. him Compass Head. I remember, too. Uh, Go ahead, Bonnie. Because he said he had a natural sense of uh, direction. <laughs> I believe that yes. was it. When we were auctioning off uh, Lewis and Clark's uh, boat. Yeah. He was an arrogant ass and <laughs> said he usually knew <laughs> North wow. at any given time. I would time. not describe uh, Adam Felba as an arrogant ass. Uh, Thank you, Bernie. He did say at the time that he knew uh, True North at any time he was asked, and that is where Compass Head 
uh, came from. <laughs> I don't say. I don't see how that's a. That's absolutely right, Senator Sanders. But I don't see how that's a display of arrogance or asshood. Okay, I feel badly that I use that word. I really do. It's too but late. You said it's you could too late. Stick you said your it. Head out the window. You, you're, uh, Captain Crinkle, <laughs> you're on the record as having called Adam Felba an arrogant ass. And <laughs> it's on the record. It's on the record. No, but the way he said it, he said he could stick his head out the window and look in any direction. And he, and he knew what direction that was. Like that's it was some great claim to fame. That's absolutely not what I was saying. I said, I, I generally know where earth, North is. Why, why on earth would he stick his head out the window? <laughs> I don't... <laughs> That doesn't sound arrogant. It sounds stupid. Uh, uh, uh. I would stick. What, what is he, a dog? Is, is he no. a dog sticking his head no, out the no, window? No, Sanders, I'm not a dog. And I never said I stick my head out the window. I, it, this is all. Uh. Maybe you said look out the window. Then why, Captain Crinkle, if I can ask, why would you say stick your head out the window? I, I, why? Why? It makes no sense. I, Senator Sanders, you might not be aligned with any party. You're an independent, famously. But if you could do me the favor of um, introducing a sense of the Senate resolution censuring Captain Crinkle for this conduct, I would be very, very, uh, very appreciative. She should be. She should be censored. She should uh, be censored. Absolutely, I would support. I would support censoring uh, Captain Crinkle at this time. Uh, <laughs> It's unacceptable. First of all, when I heard you say stick his head, uh, naturally, I thought you were going to say up his ass. Now, and wait a that, minute. <laughs> that's what I thought. That's exactly what I thought. And that's why this is inappropriate. Compass uh, uh, head. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Um, I think. Uh, let's uh, thank you, Senator Sanders and Christopher Chadwick. Uh, Tony, what else is in that mailbag? Oh shit! Wait, wait. Oh fuck! What was I thinking? <laughs> oh, oh my god. Okay, <laughs> Tony. What else you got? This is from Jeffrey James. <laughs> Insider edition. Oh. God damn it. Uh, I'm outraged that you would all... <laughs> I was outraged. I was absolutely outraged by what uh, Captain Crinkle Bunny Boynes had to say about our friend Adam Thelma. Uh Outraged. And, uh, uh, I believe this listener uh, has put into words uh, the way I felt. Uh, which was outrage. Bonnie <laughs> Boynes. Right, but we haven't really gotten to it beyond the word outrage in this particular. Wait, you know what? I, it does not take any more words to express the way that I felt. I, I would simply say to you, uh, let me be clear. Outrage. I felt outraged. I would like to be clear. I want to make no, sure no, no, that we, I am we, you crystal are clear. We clear. Yeah, I, I would on. like to move to censure Senator Sanders. <laughs> At this point, Tony Anita, you, you, you are not in a position, frankly, uh, let me be clear, uh, to censure. Uh, that's, that's absurd. That's absurd. 
uh, just reach your hand into the mailbag. <laughs> and, and if you would just read to us. Go ahead. Okay. I'm so hesitant. Here we go. I am outraged that you would all be... Ah, God damn it! I believed you! I believed you! <laughs> all right, you know what? Uh, something very juvenile is going on here. And we are adults and we are... Uh, leaders, and we are above what's happening here. I, I, I apologize, uh, Tony, on behalf of Paula Poundstone. I, I don't know what's gotten into her, uh, but uh, Compasshead, I owe you an apology. Tony, it's all right, Saturday, uh, I, yeah. owe, I owe you an apology. Captain Quinkle, not so much. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, all proceed right. with the reading. This is from Jeffrey James. <laughs> okay. I am outraged that you would all be disrespectful to the great novel Moby Dick. Instead, you talk I about- I share that. I share that feeling. That Senator Sanders, you're out Jeff of order. Jeff Jeffrey James, I feel that outrage. I can- I. I, this is why I voted no. for Elizabeth Warren, Senator Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> she would have been a fine president. She, she would. Uh, I, I too voted for Elizabeth Warren. Uh, <laughs> let me be clear. Uh, I support Elizabeth Warren uh, very much. Uh, and uh, I am also outraged, as Jeffrey James is, uh, uh, about the disrespect uh, to the great novel uh, Moby Dick. Um, you know, I, I recall, uh, I, it's been quite a while since I read the novel myself, but I do recall that it was uh, uh, gut-wrenching. This, is, this was is, why gut -wrenching. We need, <laughs> is why we need to get rid of the filibuster right Chapter. here. Chapter, let me be clear, in particular, <laughs> chapter 45 was gut-wrenching. <laughs> Tony, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let you finish as well, Tony. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Compasset. Oh okay. please. So we know that that Jeffrey James is outraged about our disrespect to the novel Moby Dick. Instead, you talk about Cosmo Magazine and Bonnie tripping on over-the-counter painkillers. By the way, can you share the part about cleaning drawers? Thank you, Jeffrey James. I, the part about cleaning drawers? Because, Does anybody know what he's talking about? Because Paula brought in the magazine about cleaning because you couldn't find Cosmo. Right. I, I do recall that. Uh, uh, it was a fascinating read. I spent the entire night um, dusting. I, 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 I yield my no. mailbag mail duties. Dude, I can't even talk. I yield my mailbag duties to Insider Senator edition. Sanders. To Senator Sanders, you take over mailbag. I quit. That is not, uh, that is not no. according to parliamentary procedure. Tony, you cannot do that. Uh, I, oh my god! 
I cannot support what Tony Anita Hull has suggested. Uh, you are the... I can help. Oh, I can no. help. Great. Great. God. Damn it. Senator Klobuchar, I'm Great. so happy to have oh. your support. Oh, look, everyone. It's Senator Amy Klobuchar. Isn't this great? <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, I I share, uh, as I'm sure you do, Senator Klobuchar, uh, I share Jeffrey James's outrage about the way they have disrespected the work of uh, Hoyman Melville. Uh, oh my God. I love that book. I love that book. I love that book. <laughs> it, uh, I, I'm sure that you spent night after night in high school having your gut wrenched by that book. Particularly, uh, I'm, of course, uh, uh, speaking of chapter 45. Uh, all right. So thank you, Jeffrey James. Uh, nobody, Jeffrey James, for that. Uh, a comment or a piece of uh, we got it, Sanders. Sanders, I'm gonna okay. <laughs> insider edition. Now, uh, Tony, why don't you step on up and read us another piece of mail? Okay, this is from Joshua Van Dyne. What's the point of the book club if you never talk about the book? I've been reading it, and you spend the segment talking about Cosmo. I got well, this. I guess, I guess Mr. Van Dyne has no interest in knowing where his prostate is. Or how to milk Cosmo it. Because Cosmo will tell you, and Herman Melville won't. Uh, I think... <laughs> I think that I am... I am well within my rights. Uh, and I think that yes. I speak for many of the workers uh, in the United States. Uh, and those organizing in Alabama to establish their labor rights uh, with uh, uh, Amazon. I, I think that I speak for all of us when I say, uh, fuck you, Joshua. I... <laughs> Senator Sanders. That was this really is, uncalled I'm, for. Senator Sanders, I'm going to have to ask you to, 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 to yield the floor. Uh, you know that I, we're not I, allowed I, to use that sort of uh, invective against is, our own fans. Well, this is off the record, Adam Felber. This is We're off the record. We're in fact recording this. No, yeah. Uh, Adam, if you could just once again stick your head out the window, uh, uh, maybe tell yeah, us. There was never a time that I did that, Senator Sanders. Tell us where North is. That could be instructive <laughs> at this point. I know where North is. <laughs> Tony, is there is there anything else at the bottom There's of that mailbag? More. There's one more from Maria Caswell. Hello, all. I keep wondering if at the beginning of the Odyssey, that is NLTPP, as they were laughing happily off mic in the studio near Roger Federer's appliance store, Bonnie and Tony would ever have thought that they would have major speaking roles on the show. Would they ever even have agreed to it? Burning question these days, Maria Caswell. Well, that's an uh, interesting question. Uh, Tony and Bonnie, did you guys envision yourselves, you know, uh, kind of, you know, working your way into an important role, speaking role on the show? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, 
I, th- I think I speak for both Tony and Bunny. You don't have to, Senator Sanders. When I said, let him speak. No, it was, let him it was speak. A, let him speak. It was a dream come true for both of them. <laughs> a, a long held ambition. And uh, I remember how they wept on that first night. They wept. They wept. They did. They With wept. happiness. Uh, and being yes, on our show. I believe yeah. it was happiness at the time. Uh, that is the, not, not how I remember it, but um, okay. You, you don't recall because your head was, and uh, I'm going to say this as nicely as I can. Or just your not Your head at all. was out the window. <laughs> My God. <laughs> all right. I'm going to officially bring to a close this edition of Mailbag. Insider edition. Okay. Hey, uh, nobody. That was great, Tony. Thank you so much. Those were excellent letters. They Thank were. you, listeners. Yep. I was out of the room for a minute, but. Uh, yeah, uh, Senator Sanders kind of had it covered. Don't worry about it. Oh, gosh. He's such a brilliant man. He's, He's a blowhard. Hey, nobodies, him. if you have questions him. or comments, you want to bitch about how we run our book club or something like that, send it to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Paula Poundstone, what is going on in the Poundstone product empire, or as I like to call it, PPE, this week? Adam, the success of Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, comes largely from the fact that we are like a family. Fuck that! I hate you! If listeners go to paulapoundstone.com, they can purchase a Poundstone Pussy Pillow, which is a 4-inch by 5-inch catnip-filled pillow with a cat joke on one side and autographed to your cat on the other side. Well, not to your cat, Adam. Autographed to the purchaser's cat on the other side. Also, the weather is warming up. So listeners are going to need their tri-polyblend t-shirt with a self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back. They come in baseball and standard styles. I would tell you more, but Heidi. I hear you. um, But I want to remind listeners that we just launched our new contest, The Longest Cat. Once again, if you can figure out which of our cats has the longest name, the one with the highest number of letters, you will be entered in a drawing to win the big prize, a Zoom call with all your friends and me and Paula. Once again, that address to go to is bit.ly slash NLTPP contest 421. Couldn't be easier. Tony, that is I don't a, see how we could have made it easier. Such a catchy, catchy address. I don't know how anybody's going to forget I'm it. I'm sorry. Um, subscri- <laughs> subscribe to this podcast. It's free. You'll get it every week at no charge. If there's a subject or topic that you want to know about, well, tell us. We're at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Once again, that's a very memorable address. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone <laughs> at gmail.com. Note the lack of abbreviations or numbers. That's our show, everybody. <laughs> Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. It's hosted by Paula Poundstone. And yours truly, Adam L. Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Christina McRae. Yeah. 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 Thanks to our house band, Adam Fisher. 
Woo! Visit Yay! him at adamfisher.ck.page. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Interned is Carly Patrone, mixing by Michael Hoagie, Starburns production by Land Romo, transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? We want to dedicate this show to the memory of Jason Smith, the CEO of Starburns Audio. If you'd like to leave some well wishes or donate to the GoFundMe campaign for his daughter's college fund, you can find the link on our Facebook page. So, um, there was a lot of censure happening tonight. Oh my gosh. There was, there was censure of the censures. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like, I, I gotta say, Adam, you are really a master of the Roberts Rules of Order. It's like you've internalized them. Oh yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've even read about them. Yeah. I mean, that's so clear. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That comes across, doesn't it? Yeah. Really. Is that how you run like your dinner table, for example? Oh yeah, my entire house runs on Roberts Rules of Order. Yeah. Bob's rules. Boy, there's Bob's rules. Nothing, nothing like them. Bob's rules. That's what I say around the mm. house. Bob's rules are the highway. Yeah. You know what rule number two in Bob's rules is? Uh, What's that? Let Betty speak. <laughs> Starbanks Avenue, a podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.